One lady's welcome. So we're in Megillat uh, Root. And we're in uh, chapter 3. Peregimal, we're learning it with the commentary of Malbim. So just to uh, review where we're holding in this most dramatic and amazing story. So Ruth was married to Mahlon. Ruth was royalty. She was the daughter of Eglon, Melech Moab. She came from royal family. And then uh, she ended up marrying into a royal family, the Jewish royal family, the family of Elimelech, which is the family of Yehuda, which is the family of uh, kingdom. That's David Melech's family. And David Melech obviously wasn't born yet. We'll learn about him in a minute. He's going to be born in a few moments. But Ruth, anyway, was married to Mahlon. Mahlon died. And uh, she went back to Israel. She moved back with her mother-in-law, Naomi, who also had lost her husband, Elimelech. So there's two destitute women, and uh, they're so poor and poverty-stricken, and they make their way back to Bethlehem. Nobody could believe, is this Naomi? We remember she used to have an entourage, and she used to have all the, the riches, and now she just has uh, rags. And she said, yes, it's me. You know, God uh, did this to me for whatever reason. She accepted it. And now Ruth, who was a very, very compassionate lady, converts. And since they don't have any money, she accepts upon herself to go collect uh, the free food that's given to the Aniyim. Very noble of that woman. She's a lady that's uh, a princess. Now she has to go out and collect charity. But she felt that it's a chesed for her mother-in-law. And she went out to the field. And of God, in his divine providence actually brings her to a field of a man that she would ultimately marry. Talk about how Shidduchim are made in heaven and Borei Olam, you know, puts you exactly where you're supposed to be. Somebody says, how am I going to find my Shidduch? There's so many people and uh, the Shadchanim don't know. God, when he wants you to find it, he'll put you in the right place at the right time. And sure enough, she ends up at the field of Boaz. And we learned that that day, Boaz actually showed up to the field. Well, he never comes to the field. And he notices from the corner of his eye, hey, who's this uh, uh, prestigious lady over here? He saw the way she was uh, kneeling over and bending over. She saw that she had modesty, and that's very impressive when you see a lady that has modesty. And he heard about her, and he gave her preference. He gave her lunch. He told his people, let her take whatever she wants. You know, she gets VIP service. And uh, Ruth ends up coming home with a whole bag of food, and Naomi says, well, where did you get all this from over here? We didn't expect you to get this. No, I went to a field. What's the guy's name? Boaz. Oh, my gosh, Boaz. That's our, that's our relative. That's our relative. And already Naomi starts to understand that the divine hashkacha is in play. That Boreolam is up to something over here. And uh, Boaz, if you remember, tells Ruth, I don't want you to go to any other field. You come over here. We'll take care of you. There's no need for you to be involved in fighting for the gleanings uh, and you know bullying, uh, getting bullied by the Aniim. You come over here, and I told already all my people to take care of you, and they're going to treat you right, and uh, that's it. So she was, she was, uh, she was satisfied. Fine. Now let's start Peregima. So now Naomi tells Ruth, Hamota, mother-in-law, tells her, my daughter, 
הלא אבקש לך מנוח אשר ייטב לך. It's time for us to try to find you a manoah. And if we could find you a manoah, it will be good for you. Question is, what is a manoah? Manoah is a sophisticated way of saying a husband. Because after all, what does a husband bring? He brings manoah, stability, and right or wrong, ladies, peace and calmness in the house. When a lady's married, she has menucha, she has stability, the husband goes to work, the husband makes parnasah, so therefore, biti, halo avakesh lak manoah. I guess we would say in America, it's time to settle down. Because when a person's married, they're settled. And therefore, it's time that you have manoah. And asher yitavlach. And it'll be good for you. Which means, sometimes you have a marriage where they're settled, but it's not spiritually settled. The husband is not on a spiritual level, and the wife, she comes to the well all day long, and she comes to classes all day long, and she's already in the, in the Shamayim. And the husband, the regular guy, leave me alone. What is all this uh, stuff you're bringing home over here? And therefore, he definitely brings stability. He's Manoah. They have a beautiful house, they have comfort, they have Parnassah, but it's not Yitavlach. It's not good for the soul. When we say good, we mean good in the ultimate sense of good, which means for the Neshama. So therefore she says, we have to find you a, a husband, but it's not only a manawah in the physical sense, as should yitavlach, it has to be good for your soul, that has to be somebody that's religiously compatible for you. Now, why all of a sudden now does Naomi wake up? Now we have to find you? Because the halakha says that if a lady was married and her husband died, balatashbi, She's not allowed to remarry until three months because she might be pregnant from the first husband. And now if she's going to get married to the second husband and now she's going to give birth, uh, let's say, seven months later, we're not going to know if it's a seventh-month baby from the second husband or a nine-month baby from the first. And you're not going to know who the child is. You're not going to know who the father is. So you need three months, in halakha it's called the three months of havhana, three months of discernment. So it seems the three months had passed, since Mahlon passed away. So then she said, okay, to show you how zealous these saddikim are, they don't waste a second. They had the stopwatch. Click, the three months are up. Okay, time to find you a, uh, time to find you a husband. Now, why would they refer to uh, a husband in this context as a manawah? I don't think we find it in, in Tanakh. Maybe this is the only time. We should say, We have many ways of saying a spouse. But why all of a sudden here the Torah uses a very uh, novel way, Manoah. Even though I explained it to you because it's settling down and so on. But why use that word over here? So I once saw in a sefer called Bet Yaakov, from a rabbi called the Yaakov Tarab Baslaton Kohen, that he said a beautiful explanation. The Gemara in Baba Batra, page 91, says the following, that Boaz had, uh, it was a big Sadiq Boaz, and he had many children. But Lo Alenu Velo Alechem, they died. He lost a lot of children. I don't even want to tell you how many, but a lot. And the Gemara says, why? Because every time he made a party, a wedding, he didn't invite somebody. 
He didn't invite somebody on purpose. He didn't invite. And that person was upset. And you have to be careful when you make a party. You invite. You don't want people to be angry and makpeed and have a bad eye. Everybody's celebrating. And everybody says, where are you going? You going to the wedding tonight? Oh, I wasn't invited. Uh, then he makes another wedding. You're going to the wedding? But he didn't invite me. He still didn't invite you. How many times did he doesn't invite you? And who was the person he didn't invite? His name was Manoah. Who was Manoah? Manoah was uh, a man living at the time. He was married to a lady called Slalponit. Problem is they didn't have children. They were barren. Later on, they would have a child. Actually, the child would be a famous child, Shimshon, Samson. But this is before Samson was born. And they were a barren couple. So Boaz, he, he didn't invite Manoah, not because he was being cruel. He didn't want to obligate him. Because how's he going to pay me back? Normally, when you invite somebody, uh, then the, the person feels good. I can reciprocate. You know, they invited me, I'll invite them back. You have a way of, of repaying the, the, the favor. But if, he, if he's going to keep on inviting Manoah, all you're making Manoah is feel more in debt. And he doesn't want to make him feel indebted. That was his intention. Whether it was the right intent or not, he wasn't motivated. Boaz was a rich man. He think he cares how much lamb chops can Manoah and his wife eat at the wedding. Eat whatever you want. It wasn't a monetary item. It wasn't that the caterer was limiting Boaz and therefore he had to you know, cut Manoah out. He was more concerned that he didn't want to make Manoah feel bad that... Uh, He's not going to be able to reciprocate. Anyway, even though his intentions were good, it backfired and Manoah lost, I'm sorry, and Boaz lost a lot of children because of it. Every falah he made ended up getting, you know, uh, ruined because of it. So that's why the Pasuk says over here, when uh, Ruth is going to now be offered to marry Boaz. So she's going to say, oh my gosh, uh, all his children died. So that's why she says, Biti halo manoah, will invite Manoah to the wedding. That's why the Torah uses the word Manoah. Biti, don't worry. Halo manoah. I should eat tablach, and if it'll be good for you, we won't forget him on the invitation list this time. That's the novel way we're learning these Pesukim over here. Beautiful. And anyway, what happens? She now um, presents, she's, you don't know, Naomi's also a Shadchanit. She's also a matchmaker. She has a good eye. So she presents the, the, the I was going to say the boy, but he's really not a boy. I was going to say a man, but he's not even a man. He's an old man. <laughs> Boaz is not, not an 18-year-old. About four, 400. He's <laughs> old enough for you, uh, Mrs. Mishan. 400 years old. He was a Zakan. You know, those days, they lived a long life. But Boaz was an old man. That's why this marriage is going to be a marriage from, from, from the history books. She, Ruth, a young lady, pretty girl, nice. And now, who's thinking to marry uh, this old man like this? So she says, Boaz is our relative. He's related to us. You know him already. You've been by his field. You worked by his field with his, with his maidservants. Behold, it's the threshing season. And during the threshing season, Boaz sleeps in the farm and they have a little house in the back of the farm and therefore uh, I have to explain this to you. <laughs> so I don't want you to misunderstand it because there's some corrupt people even in our community that don't know how to interpret these pesukim because they watched too many movies when they were young and their mind is filled with a lot of pollution and therefore they can only see these holy stories through the prism of 
Hollywood and through the prism of sheker and, and nonsense and, and, and frivolity. And unfortunately, they teach the kids this and they give them a corrupt understanding of it. So I have to be very, very careful. Put on white gloves now. Like a surgeon, we have to explain exactly what's going to take place over here. First, you have to know everybody in this story are uh, the highest level of tzaddikim. Ruth is the tzaddiket of uh, par excellence. As we have, don't have enough to say, we see already what she's doing. Boaz is Gadol Hador. Just so you know what Gadol Hador means. We were just in Israel. We visited Gadol Hador, the greatest rabbis of the generation. So when you see great Gedolim behave in a certain way, we give them the benefit of the doubt because we know that they have certain kavanah and they're following the Torah to the ultimate highest degree. That's the starting point. And you also have to know that from the marriage of Ruth and Boaz, which we're going to read about today, the greatest Sadiqim came out. So God does not reward a sin with a, with a tzaddik, exactly. So therefore you see from the, from the result that everything that was being done over here must have been done with the, uh, the seal of the, you know, the OU, the Chafke, and the Badats, and, uh, and Kehila Kashris as well. But everybody would agree that what was being done over here was, you know, on the highest level of uh, certified Kashrut. Now let's say what happened. These were very um, modest people in the sense Naomi could have went to Boaz and could have told Boaz, listen, uh, the girl, uh, you're a man, okay, albeit a couple of years older, but nonetheless we think that uh, this uh, shiduch uh, can work. Uh, what do you think? However, their modesty in speaking explicit like that did not allow them to verbally ask. So they would talk in, uh, uh, in sign language. Better you said, Remez. Remez. Hacham Baruch, Allah used to tell us, I think it's your side is today, Dail Hacham Birmiza. When you talk to Hacham, it's enough to talk to him Birmiza. To a wise man, you don't have to say explicitly. You just have to wink your eye and he knows what you're talking about. But if you're talking to a tipesh, even if you tell him explicitly with a big bold letters, he says, I don't know what you're talking about. So these are hakamim over here. So they understand nuance. Now, you need an introduction. The reason why Boaz is the most suited to marry Ruth is because of a halakha called Yibum. Let me explain you that law. Yibum says, we're learning Yivamot now. I don't know if you girls are doing that for you or me or not, but if you are, then you know what I'm talking about. In Yibum, Yibum teaches us that if let's say the Uven is married to a lady and they're childless and the Uven dies, the Halakha says that Uven's brother, let's say Shimon, has a mitzvah to marry his sister-in-law. Now, normally, it's forbidden to go with one sister-in-law, unless it's in the context of Yibum. Now, what does the Torah want? Why would the Torah say that? Okay, listen, Reuven died, good luck, let her go marry whoever she wants. Why is she automatically locked into a connection to Shimon? What did Shimon do? Shimon has a wife already. All of a sudden, now they tell him, okay, well, you got to marry uh, Le'ah. I don't want to marry Le'ah. Where, where did she come from? No, Mitzvah Yibum. So I'll tell you how it works. When a person uh, gets married, so, a husband and wife that is, so 
the Zohar Kadosh writes that after the first night of marriage and subsequent, the husband puts a piece of his neshama into his wife. There's a piece of the husband in the wife, a piece of neshama. And it is from that neshama that gives the lady fertility and how many children she can have based on the deposit of neshama that the husband put in. And it's, it's done without kavanah. I mean, you don't have to think about it. It's not like you have any kavanah. It happens naturally. Hashem does it. It's his business. That means a lady, uh, after the second day that she's married, is not the same anymore. That doesn't mean if she gets on the scale, she's going to weigh 10 pounds more because she has a husband's neshama. No. The good news is it's, it's, it's weightless. It doesn't weigh, anything. It doesn't weigh anything. But she's going to weigh a lot when she gets pregnant. And it's coming from the neshama that the husband put in. But let us say, let us say that the husband, God forbid, dies. So now there's a problem over here. There's still a piece of the husband inside, but it was not able to bring itself to fertility, to children. So the Torah says that the brother, in this case Shimon, can do a very big chesed. And that chesed is called yibum. What does yibum do? Yibum does like this. That when he goes with his sister-in-law in marriage, and all it means is they have to be together. There's not an official marriage ceremony like we have with a kesef and a chuppah and a florist and a band. No, you don't need all that. He just has to cohabit with her and that's considered yibum. What, what, what ends up happening in such a case? She gives birth. And now you've done a big chesed to your brother because now you've given him a legacy. You've given him a perpetuation. That's the the, the story. Now, if you that, 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 and now the, the Zohar Kadosh even says more that the child that comes out is actually a Gilgul of the husband that passed away. You're following me. So that means when Shimon goes with his sister-in-law, Le'ah, and Le'ah gets pregnant and gives birth, actually that child is the Gilgul of Reuven, who died. So therefore... I mean, poor guy. First it was his wife, now it's his mother. So he's really getting, uh, you know, <laughs> he's getting sandwiched from all sides. He can't escape this G over here. Which is a separate point. But the point is, now all of a sudden, the, the child that comes back is the uh, the Could we say that Mashiach comes from Nachman? We're going to say it. We're going to say it now. Yeah, we're going to say it now. I'm giving you the rules, then I'm going to apply it. Wait, wait. You're going to see what I'm going to say in a minute. So now, that's how Yibum works. Yes, Steve. No, it does not apply. It's only if they're childless. Very good question. But now, let's say, just so you know the rules. Let's say, for whatever reason, Shimon doesn't want to marry his sister-in-law. He doesn't want, he has a wife already. His wife says, I'll kill you if you marry this lady. You know, we married her, but she has a mitzvah. But I'm not interested in mitzvot. Go do other mitzvot. Go do bikor holim night. Now all of a sudden you're doing, uh, you boom. Find other mitzvot that don't bother me so much, don't affect me so much. So they don't want to do it. So they have to make a process. And that process is called what? Halitza. Let's explain halitza for a minute. It's a very strange ceremony, mind you. But it has to be done. And if they don't make halitza, she cannot get married. She's stuck until Halitza is made to her. Halitza is a simple process. They take a special shoe, and uh, the man 
is wearing the shoe, and she comes to in front of the rabbis, and she unties the shoe, and she takes it off his, uh, his, his foot, and she spits in front of him, and she says a couple of words, and that breaks the connection between her and the Yabam, and now she's a free bird to marry whoever she wants, and she's called the Halutza, she cannot marry a Kohen, okay, because she's like a divorcee in that sense, but that's, that's the Halakha. Now, what in the world, such a ceremony, what's the logic? We never saw a ceremony, you take a shoe and you take it off his foot, why can't you just say, he comes to her and says, I'm out, and she says, okay, I'm out also, you are both out, everybody will happen after, no, you got to spit in his face. So the Zohar Kadosh explains again. And, and by the way, I know it's a Malbim class, but whatever I'm telling you is the Malbim. He brings the Zohar. The Malbim brings the Zohar and says that, you remember when Moshe Rabbeinu came to the burning bush? And what did God tell him? Take off your shoes. Take off your shoes. Now that wasn't Halitza. But then you see already in the Torah an example where somebody was told to take off their shoes. Whenever I come home, Sergeant tells me to take off my shoes. But that's, that, that's not Yibum either. That's, that's just because she doesn't want to dirty the rug. But there's another story over here of Shalna Alecha. Why? So the Zohar explains like this. There's a metaphor or a mashal. We have a body and the body is an encasement of the soul. The soul cannot exist in this world without the encasement called goof. So if you want to make a metaphor between goof and neshama, we can make the metaphor between a shoe and a foot. The foot is inside the shoe. So the foot would be like the neshama and has the encasement of the shoe around it, which is the external. So again, the metaphor between foot and shoe is the metaphor between neshama and Goof. Now, when somebody is on a very, very high spiritual level where he has no interference, for example, between his body and his spirituality, there's no interference. He's so holy, he's like an angel. So then the way God would tell that person that he's on a very high level, he would say, take off your shoe. Moshe Rabbeinu was to such a level where God was saying, your body does not interfere with your soul. Your you're, there's no blockage. There's no hefsek uh, 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 or hatzitza. So therefore, shalna alecha is actually in Moshe's case a big compliment. Take off your shoe. That means your body is not interposing between your, your soul and therefore you are all so that you can connect to me and talk to me directly. That's the compliment that God was telling Moshe. And whenever you see the tzaddikim, shalna alecha, that's what it means. But in yibum or halitza, it's different. This man, Shimon, is being asked to marry uh, his sister-in-law. What are we asking for, from him? Forgive me, ladies. We're just asking from a little drop of his zera to produce a child. Because we want to bring the neshama back. But we cannot bring the neshama back unless we have a, a body. We need a body to bring the neshama. Neshama just don't come back without a body. So when he refuses, basically, what is he doing? He's removing the... Shoe from the foot. He's separating goof from neshama. That's the physical mashal metaphor that we're acting out like a, like a, 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 a charade. You know, if you're playing charade, and what, what, what is going on over here when, he's taking, when she's taking off the shoe? Ah, she's telling him that you do not want to provide a body, an encasement for the neshama. 
And therefore, she spits in front. That spitting represents the drop. You don't even want to give a drop. You can't even afford a drop, a tipat zera, in order... It's almost she's upset because she wants her husband to have a tikkun and he doesn't want to make the tikkun over there. And she calls him a couple of names there in the Betin, it says. And, you know, I was going to say they live happily ever, but they don't because it's really not a good situation. We'd rather them to make yibum. I was in a halitza ceremony a few times that they asked me to uh, officiate in a halitza. So it doesn't happen every day, you can imagine. And uh, one time I was in the ceremony and... Um, I had asked the rabbi, I said, where, where, where did you get the shoe from? And he had told me that, Allah Vashom Ella Safti, who was a big uh, uh, man in the shoe business, he went to one of the big rabbis of the community, and the rabbi gave him the specs, exactly what a halitza shoe has to, has to look like, because it has to be a specific type of shoe, with a certain amount of straps, etc. And Ellis Allah Vashom went to the Far East, and he made a few halitza shoes. Until today, in the Bedin, they're using... Uh, that now, uh, arguably, it was not ES Original's bestseller, of course, because nobody, nobody cares to buy a Halitza shoe, but for the Betin, it's a bestseller, because that's the only shoe that we really need in the ceremony. Uh, so I was there at the, at, the, at, the, at the ceremony, wherever it was, and it's a sad thing. You see a guy come in, a lady come in, and uh, you know, that's a Halitza. And in the, in, towards the end of the ceremony, it was a freezing cold day in the winter. And uh, all of a sudden... I got out of my seat and I moved to the window and I opened the window. And my friends who were sitting with me, what are you doing? You're crazy. It's 20 degrees out. So what are you opening? I said, don't, 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 don't ask too many questions. The rabbi that was officiating, the big rabbi that was there, he said, Ilyan, what are you doing? I said, aren't we supposed to open the window? He said, yes. That's why you opened it? I said, yes. This is good. Sit down. Even the rabbi said, it's okay what I did. The Zohar Kadosh says that once you make the halitza, the neshama of the husband that's in the wife leaves. He re- it releases it because it's not going to come back to this world. So the Zohar Kadosh says you should open the window to give a chance for the neshama to, you know, otherwise you break the window. So they will open the window and let the neshama escape. So that's what I was doing over there. I'm just curious, why does he have to have his, bro- his Okay, it's very good. In truth, it doesn't have to be the brother. It could be a relative as well. But it has to be somebody, because neshamot are like clusters. They're connected to each other. So therefore, the family members that you're related to, your neshamot are on the same frequency. So therefore, a brother would come first. And the, and the old custom was, if there's no brother, they take somebody that is, you know, close and related. So, what is? Oh, oh, so now we go back to that story. So that's introduction, free introduction. Yes, dear. Yes. Sepharadim still make Yibum today in Israel. Ashkenazim, they only make Halitza. So it's a machloket between Sepharadim and Ashkenazim if you still could make Yibum today. Chabba Shalom held. Yeah, if a lady and a man, they want to make the Yibum, let them, good luck to them, let them make Yibum. But again, Ashkenaz Bedin will not, uh, will not allow. In our community, they only do uh, Halitza. Okay, now back to the story. If, if, yes. If he's married, he could still do you. Yes, in the olden age, you could marry more than one wife. But now? Well, no, now, no. Anyway, today they do Halitza anyway. Okay. So therefore, it's not going to make a difference. But yeah, it, it, there was, there's no limit. There's only a limitation on, on a king. The king is limited. Poor guy can only have up to 18 wives. You're not allowed to have any more than that. But if you're not a king, then, you know, good luck. You can have as many wives. But you have to know every wife comes with a mother-in-law. So, <laughs> so there's, you know, there's a catch to it. Yes. Is that why Rabbi that um, not supposed to walk around barefoot? 
That's possible. That's possible. Because that, that's a That's because the, the ground has tumah on it, and we don't want to. We don't want to draw from the tumah. Anyway, ladies, I can't teach all yibamot on one foot, but I think we. No pun intended. But but we have, but we have a good basis now for what we need to talk about. In this case, Mahlon was married to Ruth, and he died without children. Now, in the perfect world, it's a yibum situation. Only problem is, Mahlon had no more brothers. His only brother was Kilion, and Kilion kicked the bucket also. So therefore, technically, you got a yibum situation without any candidates to make the yibum. So the old custom was that they looked for the closest of kin, the closest relative, outside brother, then becomes the one that can make the yibum, and it's the mitzvah to make the yibum. Yes? Why they didn't? Uh, it's probably because uh, listen, probably probably it was. So this can happen. <laughs> it's one of the real answer. But Olam was organizing that Ruth should get the Boaz. And if Ruth has one kid, she'll never get the Boaz. So therefore, this is God's way of this is a perfect I'm glad you said this. It's a perfect example of something that looks very bitter. And God says, don't ask questions. I'm bringing Mashiach. So there's a reason why you don't have children because I want you to get married to somebody else that you can have a legacy that's going to bring the redemptions. It's a good case of something that looks very sour but ends up becoming very sweet. It's back to, you know, Gamzer the Tova and everything like that. Anyway, so Boaz was a relative. Now, I must point that he was not the closest of relative, but he was a relative nonetheless. And Ruth, uh, Naomi felt... If God already brought you to that field and the divine providence already is leading you to Boaz, must be, he's the guy. So what are they going to do? In order to give a signal without saying any words, without talking, in order to give a signal to Boaz of his options, he has one of two options. Option number one, Yibum which means to cohabit with root in a marriage, or halitza, to make a, a break. Now, how are they going to communicate that if you don't have WhatsApp and you don't have texting? And even if they did, they, they, these rabbis don't use this type of thing. They were religious. They didn't have it. They had the special phones, the, 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 the flip phones, finished. They couldn't use it. So how are they going to communicate this to Boaz? So Naomi says, go in the middle of the night. It's the threshing season, so he's in the sleeps in the field. Nobody's going to suspect anything if you go to the field during the day, because you always go to the field during the day, so it won't look suspicious that you're in the field during the day. You'll bring your wardrobe with you. Now, don't wear it, but after it gets dark, go in the back when nobody's looking and put on your Shabbat clothes. And like a bride supposed to get dressed, Shabbat, Shabbat Kala, and Boaz, we know, sleeps in the fields on those nights, in the house, in the back, in the barn. You'll go into the barn and hide, uh, and you'll know exactly, you'll see where his bed is, where he's lying down, and you will go lie down next to him. Not going to touch him, you're not going to do anything, there's no music, there's no candles, there's no that nonsense, Take, erase all that from your brain, say this is Kodesh now, meaning 
if I had explained it, go into the Kodesh Kodashim, and the Kohen Gadol is going to be, that's the way we're looking at this over. These are Sadiqim. Boaz is 400 years old. And you lie down next to him. And then, when you lie down next to him, you will reveal his leg. You'll take the sheet and uncover his margilotav. Margilotav, like his leg, his foot. What are you basically saying? Boaz, you have one of two options. Either you will lie next to me, or you will make halitza on the, on the leg, on the shoe. Dani Tibur. No one has to say nothing. That's the way the tzaddikim... So although it sounds like something that is not so tzanua, but they were doing it in a way of tzanua not to have to be... You're unbelievable that you're asking this. I also feel the same way. So I, can I, I can explain you something. Mm-hmm. But you have to be open to hear what I have to say. You're open to hear? Yeah. Okay, good. Fine. I'll explain it to you. <coughs> the real question, what you're asking, which is a million dollar question, is... Listen. You know, if, if, if one of us would do that today, you know, they're probably not going to give you Aliyah Chishi that Shabbat in, uh, in Shul. You, you probably lost your, uh, they'll probably throw your kids out of Yeshiva also and they'll put you in the, uh, in Hiram if you do such. So. Well, I'm following Ruth and I want to lie down next to a girl and lift her there. Well, I'm, just, uh, I'm just following the text. You know, I'm reading uh, Rabbi Tos in the well and therefore I want to be uh, biblical. Okay, don't be so biblical. But, but she's doing it. But she's doing it. She's asking, asking me what it sounds, it sounds uh, strange. So you have to know also a very important principle that Arizal says. And this is so important in this year. That Arizal talks about nuclear souls. You know what? I don't want to go into nuclear souls for a minute. Why should I confuse you? We'll talk about that later. It's not so controversial. Because there's a natural connection between Nut and Boaz. There's a Yibum connection there. So it's not that this is a stranger going with a stranger. They are connected halakhically. That's what I'm telling you. Once the Uven's wife passes away, sorry, once the Uven passes away, his wife automatically is connected to Shimon. That connection has to be broken. But if it's not broken, it's, it's there. It's almost as if like they're half married already. I'll prove it to you that they're almost half married because what do you need a halitza for? Halitza breaks something. You're only breaking something that is, that is connected. So it's not so, it would be, I'll tell you what it is, it's controversial if Ruth would do that to uh, some strange guy and go lie down next to him in the barn and uh, start doing all this uh, charades and the guy would say, who are you? I'm Ruth, uh, what are you doing over here? <laughs> but in Boaz's case, it's not so strange because he understands we're half married already. Because we know that there's a connection between over here. It's called in, in halakha zika. There's a zika. Zika means there's a, a bond, a connection. The zika was there. So therefore, it takes the edge off it. She wasn't just going lying down next to any... But by the way, I want to say further. And let's say Boaz, hypothetically, was with her that night. Nothing wrong. He's supposed to be with her. That's how you make boom. <laughs> There's nothing wrong. Not a stranger. A stranger, you're right. It's controversial. But Boaz is, is a half-husband already. Because there's Yibum. So it's not so far-fetched. That she, but, but then, 
you see how modest she was. Even though it's her half-husband, and even though he has every right to be with her, and still she would not say the options verbally. They don't want to talk, it's too modest for... So therefore, she lied down, either do this or this. Sign language, Morse code, and there that explain it according to the simple level? Wonderful. <coughs> Leave the Arizal for a minute. I know you want to hear the Arizal, because that's the main dish that I want to serve you today. But we'll get to that in a minute. So now, Naomi tells her, we read the text now. What do you mean? We just did one pasuk for all this time? <laughs> We're going to be at the Shavuot. Hello, Boaz Modatanu. Boaz is our relative. Again, she's trying to say why. I want you to go there during the day and why nobody will be suspicious that you're hanging around the field during the day. Because first of all, everybody knows we're related to Boaz. So therefore, it shouldn't be so uncommon that they say Ruth is hanging around Boaz's field. Modatanu. Ashirahit. And not only that, you were there already, Ibn Arotab. So the Na'arot know you already, so nobody's going to think it's anything fishy that this girl is hanging around the field. Now, whenever it says the word Hineh, Hineh means something new. Behold, uh, amazing. Tonight is the night that he sleeps in the field. Look, look at Hashem's work. Exactly after the three months of Havhanawa up, which is really the first day that she's suitable to get remarried, Hine happens to be tonight is the night that Boaz sleeps alone in the, the barn. Zore et agoren, he's winnowing, winnowing. You're not promised, but winnowing is one of the processes. Seorim alayla. Seorim is barley, which just means it's Shavuot time. Virahast, now she's giving her instructions. Virahast means you shall bathe. Vesacht, sacht is put on paprika, uh, perfume. Vesam simlotayich, and you should place your, your clothes, alayich on you, v'yarad tagoden, and go down to the garden. Now, wait. This is bad advice. If she's going to go down to the garden dressed like a bride on a Tuesday afternoon, the people are going to say, what's going on over here? Aren't you a little overdressed for, uh, for, for apple picking? I mean, <laughs> what are you doing over here? She's wearing makeup and she has a veil on. And a... So this is not good advice. She's going to give away her, her, her purpose. But look at the text. If you have it in front of you, but I'll read it in front of you. The text is very accurate, says Malbin. She didn't say, wear the clothes. If you look at the pasuk, it says, v'rahast, wash. V'sacht, put on the makeup. V'samt simlotayich. V'samt means what? Place. Place simlotayich, wear alayich. On you. She didn't say wear them. Meaning, put your clothes in a carry-on. In a duffel, bilashona la'az. And take the duffel and put the duffel bag on your shoulder and go down to the field. Nobody's a carry on like we call it. Nobody's going to know that there's a, the, your, your clothes are in there. And then when you get down in the middle of the night, when you're in the area, you'll change from your farm clothes into your Shabbat clothes. Now, 
There's a difference between simla and beged or malbush. Whenever we use the word simla, it refers to ho-ho, fancy religious clothing. Clothing, that would be like uh, Shabbat clothing or other things like that, where begadim would be more uh, mundane things. Uh, the word beged comes from the word bagadnu. Bagadnu means we, we sinned. Bagadnu, that's rebelliousness. Simla is a higher, higher language. So therefore, wear your Shabbat clothes because you're doing a mitzvah. Al ish. Don't reveal yourself to him. Ad kaloto le'echol ve'leshtot. Let him uh, uh, finish uh, eating and drinking, and then you will uh, get dressed in the big day Shabbat, and uh, fine. And now when he lies down, you'll know where he's lying, because you'll see, there's it's, uh, it's one bed over there. Ubat, and you will go, he will uncover his legs, which is a signal, and you will lie next to him, which is a symbol to, yibum. And he's a hakam, he'll know exactly, he's not going to call, call Shomrim on you, <laughs> like, hey, there's some, some lady over here, she's attacking me, uh, call, the, call, the, call the cops, uh, call social services. No, he knows exactly, he speaks this language of the hakamim, he knows exactly what you're talking about, and therefore, he will give you instructions at that point. Look how the tzaddikim, if you lived a thousand years, you would not, have no idea what she's doing. A crazy lady, you'd run for your life, leave her there. No, he knows exactly this, this, this sign language, and therefore, stay tuned for instructions. Mm. I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, put it past her, but she's not listed as one of the prophetesses. She was not. I think this is just a good, a good case of woman's intuition, which you all have as well. Vatomer eleha. Now look at what Sadeket root is. After Naomi says, and whatever he tells you to do, he's the gadolador. You listen. She says. I'm coming back to you first. You're my Rebetzin. For me, you see, the ladies need to have a Rebetzin. She says, that's a, that's a big rabbi, but I cannot relate to the big rabbi. Ladies have to have lady teachers, and men have to have men teachers. It's good once in a while to mix and match, but Sarah taught the ladies, and Abraham taught the men. Uh, that's it, that's how it works. Maryam taught the ladies, Moshe taught the men. It has to be that way. That's the way shit wants it. It's, uh, it's just one of those things that a lady connects better to a lady. They understand the mentality and the man understands the man. So therefore, what does she say? I will listen to Boaz, but I have to go to the Rebbeson first. Whatever the Rebbeson tells me, because I want you to explain it to me properly, then I will acquiesce. Beautiful pasuk. That's what Bima says. Vateredagoren. Oh, this is it. This is showtime. She goes down to the gore. She goes down to the, to the granary. And she listened to whatever her mother-in-law told her. Normally, the mother-in-law uh, has a, a little uh, tension with the daughter-in-law. That's what the Gemara says. I, I can't help it. That's what the Gemara says. That usually there's a little uh, uh, strife. So here she could have said, ah, my mother she's trying to kill me. She's trying to set me up over here. The Gemara says that one time a, uh, I think it was a mother-in-law, uh, and she brought her 
my daughter-in-law some perfume. She said, oh, you have to try this perfume. It's very, very good perfume, but very flammable. And then after the donor put all the perfume on, she said, oh, do me a favor, could you go light the oven for me? And she went to light the oven, and she went up like a, like a firecracker. And that's mother-in-law's for you. But the point is, but the point is, but the point is, she listened. She said, she's not trying to harm me. Obviously, she's giving me the right, the right advice. It's going to work like a charm. Boaz was in the field. He ate dinner. He had his, uh, you know, uh, his drink. And he went to sleep at the corner of the field, exactly where they already staked it out. And oh, she comes in secret, in secrecy, balat, secrecy. She uncovers his feet, and she lies down. Everybody's dressed. This is not over here. Anything didn't touch each other to a thousand percent of the law. All it is is emotion. Lift a, a, a cover and lie down. Now, Boaz didn't realize this right away. It was in the middle of the night. Boaz got up to make tikkun hatzot. Like the tzaddikim wake up midnight in order to pray to God, you know, for the, for the, uh, for the shekhinah. And all of a sudden, he becomes fearful. He was afraid. He didn't know who, uh, who this was initially. And he was, uh, meaning he had, um, like, uh, trembling, we'll say. And again, surprise. <laughs> the big surprise. Turns around, look at this here. What's going on over here? He thought it was a squirrel. He sees over here, this is not a squirrel. This is Ruth over here lying down. You have to remember, there's no lights. He doesn't have his cell phone to turn on the flashlight to put it in her eyes. There's no lights. It's the uh, middle of a field, pitch, pitch black. But he senses somebody is lying there. So he turns, Mi'at. Now listen now, to answer your question. Rut amatecha. I am Ruth, your maidservant. Now, why does he say that? Because, stretch your brain a little. In the olden days, there was such a concept that a man was able to bring into his house, shifha, a shifha. And he's able to be with his shifha. Girls, I know this sounds like, uh, 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 you know, from, from out of a different world. It is. But in Torah world, a man can take a shifha and be with her. So she's saying, I'm like your shifha, so there's nothing wrong over here. We have a zika, we're connected anyway from Yibum. So the Vanuhirut Amatecha. I'm not root stranger. I'm not root uh, from, uh, from no, no man's land. I'm root Amatecha. And just like it would be permissible to you to go with your maidservant in the old day shifha, so therefore it's the same. Now look how beautiful, look how elegant Malbim's interpretation is now. Spread your wings over your maidservant, because you are the Redeemer. I explain. First, let's explain what does it mean that you are the Redeemer. Redeemer means that you are the closest of kin, and therefore you are the one to redeem. Redeem what? So let me explain. You need a good introduction here now. This 
is a very unconventional yibum for the following reasons. Number one, Boaz was not a brother. But it's okay. I told you already, they used to do closest of kin. But it's also unconventional because with this yibum comes something else. In this week's parasha, actually, so we're learning it at a perfect time, we talk about the redemption of ancestral fields. I explain. If you come from a certain tribe, so your tribe gets a field in Eretz Israel. Now, if you come on hard times, God forbid, you might have to sell that field. There's a mitzvah to always try to redeem fields and bring them back to their original ancestral owners. The Torah doesn't want people to sell. It's not like you're selling your house. Okay, selling your house on Easter, whatever. It's not your ancestral property. But if you come from the tribe of Naphtali, that's your chilek from the Torah. So if Naphtali falls on hard targets to sell his property, it's a mitzvah for a relative to come and try to redeem and buy the property back and bring it back to the original family. We want to keep the tribal property uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, true, true to, to its original owners. What happened here is Mahlon died. And he has a property. However, this property here, also Elimelech died, Naomi's husband. So you have two men, they both left some real estate, they're from the same tribe, obviously it's father's son. Now, the problem is, they're going to sell this property because they have no money. So we need a Goel, Goel is a redeemer of property. So we're dealing with two issues here, we're dealing with a real estate transaction and a Yibum. Now, in the case of Naomi's field, because she got a field from Elimelech, it's an easy, it's an easy transaction. It's just, we need somebody to put up some money to keep the field in the family, sign a deed, sign a contract, and that's a big chesed. In the case of Ruth's property, because she inherits a property from her husband, Mahlon, to keep that family property, so uh, uh, the, 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 the halakhic way it's going to be done is through Yibum, which means you will make Yibum on Ruth. Once you make Yibum on Ruth, that field automatically becomes... Yours, and therefore you redeem it in, in, in such a way. So, again, the redemption of Naomi's field is through money, and the redemption of Ruth's property is through Yibum. And she's saying, listen, you're the Goel. Goel, you're the redeemer of the properties, and I'm the one that you need to redeem, and you're redeeming me through Yibum, and therefore buy one, get one, and therefore everything, everybody will live happily ever after. Now, what does she mean when she says, and you will spread your wings over me, that's what we call in Hebrew, Lashon Nikiyah. Uh, if you know, uh, in the bird kingdom, when the bird goes with a, its mate, the male bird spreads his wings. That's a sign of him going with the spouse, the bird spouse. So therefore, she says it in bird language. She doesn't say, be with me. She says, and you will spread your wings over me. That's a nice way of just saying, we understand. But there's a deeper explanation. Based on the Gemaran Abu Dazara, page 17. The Gemara says, there was one uh, a man, and he went to a place to do an Avera. And before he did the Avera, he took off his seat and he put the seat on the on the hanger. 
And right before he was about to do the Avera, the seat strings came and and smacked him across his face. This is like a remote control seat. I was a seat, uh, don't do those tricks. But this guy, he had a zechut. The seat smacked him across the So the, the lady that was there said, well, what is this over here? She, put it, she got dressed, she ran for her life. I never saw such a thing over here. So we see over here that the seat protect the person. If a person wears a seat, it protects the person. From Averot, that's why we always wear a seat. Now, what she was saying over here was that this is not an Avera. This is what we're going to do now. Even the Sisit will agree. What do we call the Sisit? Arba Kanfot. Because the Sisit are around the four, four corners. So she was saying, Take the four corners of the Sisit also with this, which means the Sisit have no problem with what we're doing over here because this is Yibum and this is a Mitzvah. That's the way of saying it's it's legal. Now, she doesn't have to tell Boaz. Boaz, of course, knows that, but that's the way of the Nach telling us that. This is in, in line with the mitzvah of Sisit. So what happens? Look at how they talk. Look how they talk. This is not the way they talk in Hollywood. May the good Lord bless you. my daughter. Your second chesed, or your final chesed, is even greater than your first chesed. What's first chesed? What's final chesed? Your first chesed is when you married Mahlon. Must have been a big chesed. A lady gets married, she does chesed to her husband. But that is not such a big chesed because you were young, he was young, got married, he came from a wealthy family. Okay, it's a chesed nonetheless, you're married, you did nice to him. But this chesed is even greater. Because now you're doing a chesed to your husband by trying to bring him back? Not to Naomi. Not to no, not to Naomi, no. The, the, the chesed that you did to your husband, the first chesed was great, but not as good as the chesed you're doing to your husband now. Because you're a young girl, you can marry anybody you want. Go marry a young guy. You know you picked some guy 400 years old. Because you know that I'm the only one that can bring your husband's neshama back to the mitzvah. You boom, and that's why you're willing to give up. And that's why it says, Lebilti you chose not to go after the Bahurim. What's the Bahurim? The young boys. Imdal imashir. Whether they're rich or poor. Listen, a poor young boy might even be better than a rich old man of 400 years old. But you have not, you, 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 you've uh, 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 closed that option because you wanted to do a chesed with the niftar. and now my daughter, al don't be afraid. Look at this, what a sadiq. Whatever you tell me, I'm going to do. What does he mean to say? He says, I need to check the halakha first. If the halakha says I'm permissible to make you boom to you, no, consider it done. Because everybody knows that you're eshet hayil. What do you mean to say? He said, I'm not worried that I'm going to get pressure from anybody. Because she was saying, Maybe they're going to talk you out of it. Maybe all oh, the tzaddikim and the beddin is, oh, you're taking this uh, girl over here, what is she? You know? I'm not worried about any outside pressure. They know that you're eshet hayil, and therefore, I'm not worried about peer pressure. All I'm worried about is halachic pressure. So Boaz needs to go and open the books just to make sure that 
everything is beseder, and then he can proceed. But he says, if it's beseder, I'm in. And what time is it? Midnight, Cinderella. Ve'ata le'avzir. But now he says, Ve'ata. Ki umnam ki go'el anochi. It's true, I'm a go'el. Ve'gam yesh go'el karov memeni. But I'm not the closest. That's the problem. I am not the closest relative. There's one guy that's closer than me. So therefore, I cannot do it. I'm sorry. We got to go to Mr. Flan, and we ask to ask Flan if he's uh, willing to do this mitzvah. Meaning, he has the right of first refusal, and then if he rejects, then it comes back to Boaz. Oh, so now it's... Uh, it goes so smooth. We thought everybody was uh, happily ever after and uh, everybody's going to go home, uh, you know, married. No. Lini halayla. Look at this, Sadiqim. Stay, stay, stay over tonight. Lini halayla. Vahaya baboker. It'll be in the morning. Im yigalich tov. The guy's name was Tov. That was the... Uh, the closest relative. It's called Tov. It's a good name. But if he doesn't want, I'll do it. I swear. Stay here till the morning. Now what is he swearing? What do you mean? Ruth doesn't trust him? I told you I'll do it. So, the... Malbim explains, based on the Gemara, that tzaddikim, as great as they are tzaddikim, they don't trust themselves. Yetzirah is Yetzirah, don't kid yourself. Yetzirah is Yetzirah, that's what it is. So he has to swear to himself that he won't touch her till the morning. He was making a shivuah against his Yetzirah, like the tzaddikim are used to doing. Because now she... she he cannot tell her to go home. It's the middle of the night. How's she going to go home? She's like, pitch black. He can't go anywhere also. Where's he going to go in the middle of the night? So he's there, stuck with her. But the Yetzirah not can work on him. She's anywhere close to you. She's your boom. Tov anyway is not here. What's the difference? And rationalization can be very, and she's lying there already, and she has, uh, he can't see her, but the point is, he didn't want the Yetzirah to, so he made a shivwa. That's like a fence. A fence. So they keep always making fences so they don't. So that's what happened there. She lied down like that till the morning. She woke up early uh, before nets. There was like the guard outside. So he told the God, don't tell anybody what you saw here tonight, they're not going to understand it. Bring me your carry-on. The carry-on bag that she had with the the clothes. Bring me the metpahat. And hold it open. She opened it. She took out six, he took out six bollies. And he put them in the bag. Let's let's breakfast. Go go to Naomi and breakfast. Waffles they didn't have in those days. But six pieces of barley and go, you'll make uh, bread. Malbim says something beautiful over here. 
Why six seodim? Everything the Sadiqim do is with Kavanah. Six, not seven, and not four. Because six seodim is the exact amount that two people would eat for breakfast. Each one would eat three seodim. So basically, he's giving up breakfast. Now the law is, when you support the Aniim, you're supposed to give them two meals. So he should have given them breakfast and dinner, or breakfast and lunch. Why did he only give them one meal? That was his way of, look at Sadiq, everything is nuanced. That's his way of saying, you're going to have an answer by dinner. You'll see me by dinner. You don't have to give you dinner now. You're going to have breakfast. And she knows that when Ruth gives this to Naomi, Naomi understands what that means. They took it code. I only give you six. That's only enough for breakfast. Ah, good. He'll be back by, by dinner with an answer. The tzaddikim are very zealous. If they tell you they're going to handle it, you'll get an answer by sunset. They're not going to dray it up until the next day and the next day and the next day and then so on and so forth. Now even, even Naomi doesn't recognize who it is because it's still dark. It's early in the morning, so all of a sudden they're knocking on, oh, Mi'at Biti, who's this? He said everything that happened. He said, it worked like a charm. The Ish, Ish means the Hashub man. He didn't touch me. He said, I shouldn't come home empty-handed to my, to my mother-in-law. Breakfast. Vatomer shivibiti sit tight, as we would say. That's what we got to saying. Sit tight, shivibiti. Ada shetidin echi pol davar. Echi pol davar is let's see how it's gonna how it's gonna play out or fall out, like we would say. What's gonna be the uh, the result? Then she says, because I know this man Boaz. Ki lo ish. He will not rest. Ki im ki lahadavarayom. Boaz is from the family of Yehuda, and Yehuda's family, they're very, very uh, industrious, and they're not lazy in whatsoever, and therefore, if he told you to handle it, by sunset already, you'll know, yes or no, you'll know exactly where you stand. That's Pedic. That's Pedic Gima. Now we go to Pedic Dalit. Now you have to understand Hagdamat to Pedic Dalit. We don't have a shiur next week, or we do? I know. What, what's Why? next Wednesday? Erev Shavuot? Does it still work? No, it's not. No, it's not. No, okay, no pressure. I'm happy. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take a day off. Oh, okay. Okay, girls, that's it. Yeah, it's okay, girls. You're going to miss the best part, but I know the end of the story. That's the main thing. As long as I know the end of the story, it's good. So what happens over here is like this. Oh... <laughs> if they want to come back, let them come back. What's the difference? I'm willing to come back. Yeah, so we should make a makeup. I'll stay till two thirty just to, just to give extra time. But I think we should have next week just to finish it. There's a lot of big hadushim that we have to say. There's a cliffhanger. We, 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 we won't be able to sleep for a week if we don't finish this over here. <laughs> that, the Rebbe's in Baskin, that's it. So now, listen. What, listen to ask about that might you need for this story. Boaz is going to have arguably one of the busiest days of his life ahead of him. And keep in mind, it's the springtime like it is now, so it's a long summer day. 
let's say you have 12, 15 hours, but what he's going to do in one day would take a normal person a half a year to accomplish. Let me explain to you what he has to do. He has some business in real estate to take care of. He has some business to take care of in the Bedin with the rabbis. And he has some family business to take care of with the closest of kin, Tov. Now, the problem is like this. In order to get release from Tov, you need to find Tov. Now, today it's very simple. Take out your cell phone. Tov, hi, it's Boaz, where are you? Can we meet for uh, coffee at Starbucks? I gotta ask you something. He tells you, no, I can't meet, but call me. Call me, Boaz, you in or you out? I'm out, that takes about a minute. But without cell phone, Go find, finding Tov is like finding a needle in a haystack. What is he going to do? Stand on the mountain, Tov, Tov. Now, usually in the old days, when you want to find somebody, it would take you three, four days. You tell somebody, if you, if you see Tov, let him know I'm looking for him. If you tell him no, let him know I'm looking for him. And then eventually, telephone, it gets to him. And now you have to make sure. But again, since this was something so special that was about to take place, the Navi will tell us that Boaz was walking to the Betin, because the way they would get Tov was they would go to Betin, and Betin would summon Tov. A summons, a summons like you get from the Betin, like a Hasmana. They would summon Tov with a Hasmana, and then it takes time for him to receive the Hasmana until he comes. As Boaz is walking to the Betin, guess who he bumps into? Boom, he bumps into Tov. It's a small world, as they say. Or as the tzaddikim say, it's a big world, but there's Hashem in the world. And therefore, how much times that happened to you? When you're thinking about somebody, you'll say, Booyah, I don't believe it, I was thinking to call you, and now, you, and now you called me first. Oh, I bumped into you. This is what happened. Tov, I don't believe it. So he's going to ask Tov, you're in or you're out? Now, if you're Tov, you got to be in. It's a big zikhut. Every day the Mitzvah Yibum comes to you. You get to marry Ruth. You get to make a redemption of a field. You get to bring Mahlon's Neshama back. I mean, it's unbelievable stuff. Tov initially is going to say, I'm in. And then he's going to hear Boaz give him some more conditions. And then he's going to say, well, I changed my mind. I'm out. And he's going to get the release. What is the, um, what's the story here? Tov was willing to redeem Naomi's field. Because that's just a monetary transaction. Okay, he asked me for some money to redeem the field, sign some papers, co-sign. My pleasure to help uh, the tzaddik and Naomi. She's related to me. But this, uh, this root item over here, I don't, I don't mind redeeming fields, but you're telling me it comes with a wife. Uh, I can't do that. Why not? Why doesn't he want a wife? You can marry ten wives. I'll tell you the issue over here. And here's where we get into great controversy. Ruth was from Moab. That's our lineage. And we know that there's big controversy if we are allowed to accept uh, Moabi conversions into the nation. But it's clear that if a man from Moab converts, he cannot marry into our people. That means if a, a girl from the community comes to the rabbi, hi, rabbi, I want to meet uh, my uh, uh, fiancé, could you marry me in Charisio next week? Oh, what's his name? Uh, my name is Yitzhak Moabi. What are you 
Rak Mo'avi. Yeah, I'm a convert. My grandfather was Mo'avi, but I learned in uh, yeshiva now, I'm a yeshiva, and he has a big black hat on, and he wears a seat out, and he shakes, he does all the religious behavior. Uh, but you're from Mo'av. So we cannot accept you. What do you mean? But I learned, I have Haskama, I have Simicha. Listen, buddy. All your Haskamot and all your Simicha, your Moab, your band, your, your, your contraband, go somewhere else. We cannot accept him, no matter how religious he is. Moavi converts. The question is if a Moaviyah comes. Hi, what's your name? Ruta Moaviyah. You converted? Yes. Religious lady, Tsanua, elbows, everything beautiful. But now the question is is she permissible? This was a big controversy. It's tremendous, the size of, uh, talk about religious controversies in Jewish history. One of the biggest controversies that Betin grappled with throughout the generations was the legitimacy of Moaviyah convertises. Can they be accepted? And, there was, and, and the jury was out. Some, some rabbi said, 1,000% forbidden. Some rabbi said, 10,000% permissible. Mahlokit. <coughs> so Boaz had his business to do that day. He has to convene the Bedin to make a ruling to decide once and for all is this girl permissible or not. We cannot go to second base until we go to first base. And the way we go to first, we have to have 10 rabbis in a rabbinical council meeting to decide one way or another. So besides Boaz needing to get Tov away, he's got to get the rabbinical council to meet. And that's, talk about difficult things to do. You know, uh, it's hard to get one rabbi on the phone. Now you got to get 10 rabbis that all are free at 2 o'clock in the afternoon to discuss the halakha. I'm a rabbi and I go to meetings. Good luck. <laughs> Boaz got lucky that day. All the 10 rabbis were available. But we have a halakhic issue, ladies. You're learning it be'iyun. I'm happy you're finally learning something be'iyun, in depth. The, the men don't learn it like this. No, I mean, the, I mean the, the men don't learn it like this. Why shouldn't the ladies learn it like the men? Better. There's a halakha. You cannot make a ruling if it affects you. Because you're not objective. So we have a problem. Boaz cannot come along and can convene a rabbinical council meeting <clears throat> and then tell the rabbis, what's your opinion? My opinion is that she's permissible and everybody's going to say, oh, we agree, we agree. And that beauty, I'm marrying her. <laughs> what are you talking about? You're no gaya. So the law is that the rabbi can only convene and give a ruling as long as it doesn't apply to him. But once it applies to him, he has to recluse himself. Understand the law? So that's why the Madbim will say, before he went to Tov, and before Tov refused, he went to the rabbinical council first. Because until Tov refuses, it doesn't affect Boaz. It's a decision that's going to affect Tov. You understand why he has to follow that order? <coughs> Boaz cannot marry Ruth. It's, it's Tov's, the ball's in Tov's court. So therefore he says, you know what, let me go to the rabbinical council first. And the rabbinical council passed that day, she's permissible. Beauty. 
Now he goes to Tov and says, I got an option for you. Yes. Why did she go straight to talk to the baby? Why did? did go straight? Oh, because Naomi saw that the divine providence had Boaz, because Ruth went to Boaz's field. They met Menashemayim. So Naomi sensed that the Shiduch was going this way. And Boaz also sensed it, but he said, I got to get Tov out of the way. Now watch what happens when she goes to Tov. He goes to Tov. I have two propositions over here. Naomi's field. Done. Where do I sign? Okay, good. Now Ruth's field. I'll sign. No. Ruth's field comes with Ruth. Comes with Ruth? <laughs> so he says, I'm out. Now, why are you out? He's, I know it's controversial. Moavi. Moaviyah. What is Boaz do? He takes out the rabbinical ruling and he says, there's no problem. We just had a meeting. It's permissible. Now the big question on Tov is, what's your problem now? Now you have no excuse. You can't come along and say Mu'aviyah. Mu'aviyah was decided today. Here's the ruling. Mutarim nachem, mutarim nachem, mutarim nachem. So Briskarov explains Tov's logic. He said, I'm not worried about me. You'll see the text. Pen ashchitet nahalati. I'm worried about my children. Meaning, this is a controversy that kept on, you know, recurring in Betin. So he felt that even though today the rabbis are saying it's okay, but I'm worried that in 20 years the rabbinical council will get together again and they're going to change the ruling and now my children are going to be banned. So he was thinking long term. It was, listen, I'm okay, but, uh, you know, my kids, what's going to be with the kids? All of a sudden, they'll be living in the community, and the rabbi, rabbi, kick him out of the school. Why? We, we, we changed it. We overturned. Roe versus Wade. We overturned it. Avdil. I'm just showing you things get overturned. So now he's going to say, I'm out. So... Let's read up to that in the text now. Now that you got a, the, 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 the introduction. Boaz went to the Sha'ar. The Sha'ar is the gates of Betin. Why did he go to the gates of Betin? For two reasons. To summon Tov and to get the rabbis together to make a ruling. He sat there and behold, girls, what does it mean? Surprise. Ha-goel over. The goel walked by. He said, I don't believe it. I'm looking for you. Where? <laughs> a million years, I never thought I'd bump into you today. The bed team. Yeah, I decided to walk down this block. Do you ever walk down this block? Never. I usually take uh, the, the other route. <laughs> Surprise. Behold. Ha-goel over. The goel walked by. Ashid di-ber Boaz. Boaz just talked about him. You were just on my tongue. Vayomer. Sura. Sura means turn. Shevapo said over here, Peloni Almoni. What is it, Peloni Almoni? I thought his name was Tob. And now they're calling him Mr. Flan Flan. Mr. Peloni Almoni. What is it, Peloni Almoni? Now, what always we learned that it was Mr. Anonymous. You know. And the rabbis say, you know why? Because he refused to do the mitzvah. So that's it. Mr. A. 
you're not tough. What kind of guy are you? Exactly. You didn't want to help your family. Therefore, Mr. Plony Almoni, you're, uh, you know, uh, you don't have a name anymore. You lost your status. That's the way we learned it when we were young. But the Babim explains Plony Almoni as a certain uh, language. Plony, in Hebrew, lehafli is to express. Lehafli. Ki so it's to express something. So Ploni. Almoni is from the Lashon Alumim. You remember in Yosef's dreams? Mm-hmm. Alumim is the stalks that were bound, that were tied. There is a zika, a natural connection between Tov and Rut. There's a, they, they, they're locked. Remember I told you that Yibum creates an automatic connection? So therefore, we need Tov to express to us his opinion on this connection. So therefore, Peloni Almoni, to express an opinion on this mind. So the reason they're using this language is to tell us what was discussed. The discussion was regarding Peloni Almoni. We need to you express your opinion, yes or no, regarding Almoni, regarding the connection that you have with Ruth. Evantem? Vayasar, the Gadol Ador tells you to sit, you sit. Vayeshev, he sat. Vayikach asara anashim mezikneh ha'ir. And then he took ten rabbis from the elders of the city. Bayom you sit over here. Look, he's setting the ducks up. Almoni, you sit over there. The ten rabbis sit over there. What are the ten rabbis for? Before I ask Ploni Almoni if he wants to take root, let me get the rabbis' approval. approval first. And why I need ten rabbis? Because if Ploni Almoni says no, then we need to have a wedding. And to have a wedding, you have to have at least ten men to make the wedding. So he's already setting the rabbis for the wedding. You know how you invite rabbis to come to the wedding? He invited ten rabbis, ten of the zikinim. So look how diligent he is. Everything is there ready. So if Plony says no, he tells the rabbis, don't move, don't move. And then the kids start to march and we have a wedding. They make uh, the flower flower girl and the ring boy and the uh, root will come down and uh, everybody's uh, enjoying. One more pasuk, ladies. Fayomed goel. He tells the Goel. Regarding the real estate that belongs to our relative Elimelech. Naomi. Naomi sold it. Now, she didn't sell it yet, but it was for sale. So the Babim says she's going to sell it, so we have to redeem it. We have to help our relative. So I said, I will make you aware by the field in front of the rabbis if you will redeem please let me know that I will know there's nobody else I'm next in line I'm next in line 
So what is the answer? I'm in. What is it? To, to co-sign? <laughs> to sign a paper? To help a, a destitute lady like Naomi? Where, where do I sign? Uh, but I'm not finished yet. That's part A of the process. But on the day that you buy the field from Naomi, you gotta buy her field also. Because she also is the wife of a deceased. And your responsibility is not only to buy the field, but to keep the name of Mahlon on that field. And the only way you can keep the name of Mahlon on that field is by marrying Ruth and bringing his neshama back. I'm out. Why? I'm not worried about myself. I'm worried about my children. I know today you're telling me it's permissible, but I know this thing is a, is a, is a hot potato, and in, in the court it's going to you know, change maybe one day. I don't know. Controversy. My father told me to keep away from controversy. <laughs> wow, here's history. Here's where Tob exactly gives Boaz... The green light. Because I cannot be the redeemer. Was Tov married? Tov, he could have been married, but it doesn't matter. Those days, like I said, yeah. he wasn't a king. Was Boaz, did Boaz have another wife? Boaz was married. He had many kids. Those were the kids that all... But at the time, did he have more children? No. No, it sounds like Boaz at this point over here was... Uh, and we don't know if his wife was alive. But it doesn't bother us that she's alive. Because like I said, he can take more than one wife. Oh, the day, yeah, the day, exactly. In any event, it's good, very good. In any event, this is where we'll stop today. Uh, we have to keep it uh, interesting for the next session. Remind me in the next session, it's very important that we present to you the nuclear... Uh, one more next Wednesday. Yeah, why not? <laughs> next Wednesday, Bezat Hashem, same bad time. And we'll talk about the conclusion of this story and the Arizal's great interpretation of what that young lady asked about why is it happening this way? What's going on over here? You need to have the opinion of the Arizal to make it much more uh, clearer. Okay.